0: It's fucked up. That's why I say, Hey, I'm a target. I, if I ever get married, I have to go off to the woods of Africa and find me some crazy naked zebra bitch <laughs> that knows nothing about money. She got to be butt naked on a zebra with a big bone in her nose and a big plate lip and a big fucked up afro. An afro, Afro got a, like Angela Davis scene and go, God damn, that's a fucked up. She got, Y'all gotta be fucked up, and one of them picks with a fist in the back, and uh, she and she gotta be butt because if she got some clothes, she gonna pocket, she gonna have to put something in the pocket, so she gotta be butt naked on the zebra. And y'all think it's a joke? Y'all gonna go? I'ma walk up there and say, "Hey, how you doing, money?" She go, "I will, I will, I I say, "Miss Murphy, Miss Murphy," and I'm bring her home. Y'all think it's a joke? Y'all gonna go past a newsstand one day and see me on the cover, jet with some woman with a big bone and a plate and a big fucked up afro, butt naked. And y'all gonna say, "Hey, Eddie must be visiting Africa." I'll say, "Murphy marries Bush bitch." I'ma be like. Cause I ain't getting caught. I refuse to get caught out there. I fuck that. And I'm bring her home and lock her up in the house. You go off to Africa and get you a Bush woman, you can't let her mingle with American women. Cause they'll change their shit up. American women stick together. last thing they want to see is you got some trained Bush bitch in your house. They will catch her by herself in the kitchen and throw a monkey wrench in your whole program. Soon as they get alone, they'll be like, I can't stand it. he be running behind him doing everything he tells you to do. Who do you think he is? You, you ain't no God. You're a human being. He ain't supposed to treat nobody. This house is too big for one person to be cleaning up. Why don't you leave? You, you always crying. Why don't you just leave the nigga? Oh, you know something, girl. Do you know you can take half his money? Did you know you can take half his money? Did you know that? Did you know you entied, you he didn't tell you entitled the the half? Oh he only told you half the story then girl You can take half the money, the car, the house, the children, all the money He got you, can buy all the zebras and bones you want Go back home and style girl You don't have to put up with this shit and get your hair done right Cut that big afro shit off and go back home to Africa and style Who the hell he think he is? Let me tell you something else about Eddie Murphy That motherfucker ain't nothing but a butt. Oh hi Eddie, how you doing? Oh I didn't know you was here, you scared me Oh, I don't know, I, I can't stay, I was just talking to Oom Foo Foo about a couple of things, huh No, 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 I got to go, I got to go, you two, y'all two lovebirds talk, Eddie, talk to your woman. talk to Um, Umfufu, y'all got a lot to talk about, go on, go on, Eddie, please, talk to, Um, Umfufu, and leave me in the kitchen, with some bush bitch, with an attitude, Eddie, Eddie, I want to talk to you. What's your problem, baby? I don't like the way you treat me, Eddie. You treat me like animal. You butt-necked on a zebra last month. I don't care, Eddie. I'm an American woman now. I want what's coming to me. Eddie, what have you done for me lately? I want you to be happy with what you want. Half! Give me half, Eddie. Give me half, Mr. Fuck-you-man. Suck my dick, Eddie. Your motherfucker. Then I'd be on the front page of the African Inquirer like this.
1: Your next one um, Staying in 84 I'm gonna go to Sergio Leone's Last movie Once Upon a Time In America uh-huh. Yeah that, that film That's a You know For Leone fans Like myself You know it, It's a Really You know it, It's It's great to see Masters like that Be able to tell stories You know it got, Folks don't know It's a three-parter Based on the, uh, These kids that grew up On the Lower East Side As they grew older You got Robert De Niro, James Woods, Joe Pesci's in it for a hot, who's in it, which is kind of surprising how many films he's been in with, the with, the with with De Niro, but this one, uh, so yeah, you had De Niro, I said, uh, yeah, um, William Forsythe is in this movie as well, Danny Aiello, um, a young Jennifer Connelly is in this film. She plays in uh, earlys in the scene. She plays. She's, she's a, you know young one. Young actress or in, the, in the flashback sequence. She's in this movie. Elizabeth Montgomery's in Montgomery. I think no Montgomery. Elizabeth Montgomery is in this movie. Tuesday Weld's in this film. It's it's this one. He's weird. Uh, I won't say weird. It's just it's like with with Leone. His films, you, it takes the time. They're they're long. You got to sit in with it. And once more time in America, it just kind of starts that way. So you you start in one era, go backwards and forwards. But as the story kind of sets, keeps going, you're invested into it towards the end. And this how um, with the with the Niro and and, Wood and James Woods and these and these other characters you know, grew up together as kids and now are running, you know, running this bootlegging scheme, you know, situation in New York and how how things all come together in, t- in the end of their breakup and vengeance. It's, it's phenomenal, man. Really incredible uh, filmmaking. It's still one of my favorite films.
2: Yeah, I mean, I, I, there, I definitely have other uh, films of his that I, that it, that I, I like better, um, but he is, it's a point to that you mentioned slow. I think more filmmakers need to take cues from that. You know, someone like Michael Bay wants to throw everything at you right away. Whereas, you know, the opening scene of uh, The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly starts out really slow. But then once Tuco shoots everybody and jumps out the window, Action kicks in um, Once upon, upon a time in the west I believe the first 10 minutes of the movie There's no dialogue and it's just some guys waiting for a train But once the action kicks in You're invested in it And I think more filmmakers need to take lessons On You know on, on Slowing things down a little bit
1: I think you just have to Trust the audience And a lot of times you don't want to do that If you set up the story the way it is Trust the audience, and I think with Bay, you know, it's that very quick editing that does play in sometimes. But really good films, it it's the story. You're really sitting down and being invested in the story, so you have to you just really go with it. And for dressed like Leoni, it is for that because the payoff's going to be you're so wrapped in interest of the characters, it becomes part of your life. You it be, in the mind, you know, when you're in that theater watching it it becomes you. You're just like, all right, I, that's the time this, oh my God, this can't happen. And, you know, it's it's a, it's a crash hit as well, but, you know, for a good film like that, it, it goes that way. It does, you know, it's it's good stuff. Man. Good stuff.
2: Yep. All right, the next one on my list, a classic from 1985, and I th- we did touch upon it briefly before, but it's Back to the Future.
1: It, yeah, that changed everything. That film came out, it it set everything up. And what I mean by that is that when I first saw it, the way Zemeckis put it together, it's a film that you can watch again and again. And you'll notice more things about it, about what decisions Marty makes, because it sets up for the next three movies the big, you know, no, the, no, the, the big adventure when it comes, comes together. Like, the fact that when Marty goes back and he, uh, you know, met, he gets in fears and it sets everything up in motion for that to happen, it, it's, a, you know, it's it, it's a really, you know, it, it, it's a great film, man. It's a great, great popcorn movie. It, it
2: is. I mean, and, and just tightly written, one of the, uh, the best scripts I've ever had a chance to read myself, um, and, and just... Uh, the acting on da- uh, the actors, uh, just a perfect movie, perfect movie. And the sequels um, end up giving you a much deeper appreciation for the original movie. Um, you know how in Back to the Future 2 they were able to kind of mix and match new scenes with scenes from the original movie, which ended up causing a, a real life lawsuit because they used some Crispin Glover footage in Back to the Future 2 and uh, he ended up suing because of that. But um, you don't see, especially even in time travel movies. I mean, like a TV show like Doctor Who, a time travel TV show, a great show. They've, uh, to my knowledge, only one time that I can think of in the first season of the of the relaunch. Of the show had a, had a scene to where they went back and re-explored something that happened at a previous time and uh, yeah just one of the best films of the 80s period
1: yeah yeah it really is it's still you. I, I watched it so many times it still moves Christopher Lloyd is great Morty um, <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah uh, Tom, Tom C. Wilson as Biff I mean really good good film good film yep alright what you got next um, next, since we're going to 85 I'm going to get a little more Kind of like a mysterious film uh, The Falcon and the Snowman By John Schlesinger Timothy Hutton and my, my man Sean Penn Based on the true story Of um, these two uh, Friends who, grew, who went to Misstraps together um, Take separate turns um, One becomes a CIA analyst Or a, I guess like a code reader and, and the other character Becomes this notorious drug dealer Mm-hmm. And, he start, and as friends, they come together and just uh, you know just start selling secrets. A really good film. I love the film in terms of just the—I'm of, of, a big fan of Sean Penn, and I'm a big fan of, of uh, Schlesinger. But I'm a big fan of this movie because of the score by the Pat Metheny group. Really incredible score. Moves really nicely. Uh, David Suchet's in it. He plays a Russian um, spy handler. Um, I first saw this film, like, on TCM a couple, um, when, you know, when, I think when I was in high school, uh, when I was um, in Los Angeles. But then I went to my school and I actually saw the movie, went to the library, and I was blown away by incredible performances, really great, you know, for me it's about, you know, big things that really do it for me besides the acting and the directing but if the the music in the film makes it move and the score it gets me down it it just you know gets me moving really sets the film up Falcon and the Snowman is a really good film to have and watch
2: and a good bit of trivia from that movie: the uh, character that Sean Penn plays, as you said, is based on a real person. And Sean Penn actually ended up hiring that person as his personal assistant. Now I don't know if um, he's still in that role, but at one time, the the character he played, the real person, was his personal assistant in Hollywood.
1: Yeah, <laughs> small world, small world in Hollywood. Yeah. All I- right. What's next up for you? All right, my next one.
2: It was a bomb in movie theaters, but it was from 1985. It's a Walter Murch movie from Disney, a rather dark movie called Return to Oz. And by that reaction, yeah, it sounds like you haven't heard of it.
1: I, I am just like... Nope, nope. So, well, <laughs> not nah, return to Oz,
2: huh? Yeah, it um, it's believe it or not, it is quite faithful because um, L. Frank Baum, who wrote the Wizard, the Wonderful Wizard of Oz, wrote a whole series of books, and um, it really is quite faithful to those further adventures. Um, Dorothy is played by an actress by the name of uh, I hope I pronounce her name correctly Faruza Balk. Um she was Adam Sandler's love interest in The Waterboy. Um if you saw the movie American History X, the woman that uh Ed Norton is having sex with at the beginning of the film, that's her. Um I think she was also in The Craft. Um but she plays Dorothy Gale and uh Dorothy um is recounting to her friends and family in Kansas everything that happened in Oz and they don't believe her. Try to put her into uh, uh, an insane asylum to where they tried to give her electric shock therapy and she escapes and finds her way back in Oz to um, to discover that uh, this evil queen turns turned everybody into stone and she uh, does what she can to get uh, to save her friends and the land of Oz once more
1: yeah I have not even heard of that film so I may have to the Return to Oz. Wow, I gotta, I gotta put that on my list. That sounds interesting. Film that just sounds, uh, sounds Got interesting. Check out. to Check, it out. Got to check it
2: out. Especially since Disney made it. I mean, you you will just. Call, it's amazing. But it just you will be shocked at how dark that film is and just wonder why Disney ever thought that that movie would be successful. I'm glad they made it. It's 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 it really is quite faithful to the original books. But um, it's it's not it's not the Judy Garland film at all.
1: <clears throat> all right. I'll put it on my list.
2: Yeah. All right. What you got next?
1: Uh, next uh, So since we're in 1985 um, I'm going to pick uh, Runaway Train As one of my films Of, of this year um, I believe this is based On Akira uh Screenplay um, John Voight Is uh, in this movie Eric Roberts And this is also The first film That you'll see Danny Trejo in He plays a boxer And towards the beginning Of the f- film he So this is the first film you see Danny Trejo And he's in
2: Nice. I've I've not seen that one, but um, yeah, Trejo doesn't get the credit for being a great actor.
1: You are so 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 right. So let me kind of lay down the film real quick. So John Voight is a is a prisoner. He he basically fights the right to, uh, to to get fair treatment. And him and Eric Robb escape, and they hop on this train that's that's a runaway. Literally, they're, they're, it's going through the upper north parts of Alaska. Rebecca De in this movie. Um, Trying to think of any other big other actors I can't think of the top of my head of it But it's a, it, it's a really interesting film to watch it, It's, it's kind of like uh, You know I said it's, it's, It moves it, it's, it's one of those films that's really kind of crazy But, but John Voigt, Incredible performance Him and Eric Roberts Really really incredible performances Of those two uh, uh, guys And it, it's, it's a hidden gem We get good actors like that That work together So It's, it's, it's a kind of nice to watch it, It's fun actually
2: Yeah, I haven't heard of that. I'll definitely check that one out, Uh, especially since John Voight. I mean, sometimes some actors don't do themselves any favors. I'm not a big fan of actors in general talking about political stuff, but when an actor talks political and they're conservative, their careers don't go anywhere, and it's a shame with John Voight.
1: Yeah, it is, but, uh, you know, that's the – yeah, listen, you know, we're in a – you're in a perception um, business but you know I I try it's hard and especially you know for you know what's happening now in Hollywood with the wine Harry Weinstein and then with James Tollback the reality of, of who you are you know do you ha- can you honestly accept someone's creative work as an actor filmmaker when they've done the heinous thing you know it's like do you like Woody Allen movie? But if you like Woody Allen movie, do you, to deal with the fact that what he's done, or Polanski, or even James Toback, because I have I have one of James Tolback's films on my list here. But it, you know, you have to—that's that kind of slippery slope we have to deal it. But just for I don't know, for our conversation in this, week, we're talking about just in pure enjoyment, but that does uh, have a factor sometimes in that. So you you know, you sometimes think if having that impact takes t- t- away from his acting. But on the contrary, I mean, voice done some incredible stuff, and this is. You know, I, this is one of them. Yep.
2: All right, my next one, film from 1986. Um, at the time, I think they did kind of hail it as one of his comeback films because he did have a drug problem for a while. Director Martin Scorsese, The Color of Money, which is a sequel to The
1: Hustler. This, that's my favorite Scorsese movie Of all time and one of my Color favorite, Money
2: Yeah one of my favorite Tom Cruise performances And there's a bit of acting at the end Which I absolutely love um, It's after the pool tournament um, Where Paul Newman's character Finds out that uh, the Tom Cruise Character Vincent purposely lost in order to uh, gain money from side bets that he made. And um, it's the two of them alone in a the room. They're going to um, battle it out, uh, playing p- playing pool at the table, and Tom Cruise is just talking a lot of shit. And then out of nowhere, Paul Newman just looks at Tom Cruise and then just points at him. Doesn't say a word. He doesn't have to. He said everything he needed to at that point. Um, and what I would absolutely love – the Color of Money again was a sequel to The Hustler. I want to see what happened to Tom Cruise's character. I want to see. I think it would be perfect if they made a sequel today and re and, and brought us the further adventures of the Tom Cruise character Vincent. What happened to him? Um, Mary Stuart Masterson, I believe, uh, played his girlfriend. Did that relationship yep. last? Did they have a kid? What happened to that character? I want to know.
1: Wow, you know, that's the, it's funny you said it. That's the first time I ever thought about that I never, as much, I, I love, like I said I, really, I love this film I, uh, This is like my favorite Scorsese movie People laugh at me and think Goodfellas Love Goodfellas, but this film Enjoy, it. and I think you're right I'm, I'm more love it for the performances of uh, You know, you, you're right about Cruise Paul Newman, but Forrest Whitaker <laughs> Flips it in there It's, it's great, great film yeah, great, 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 great film. But yeah, you're right. It, it's uh, it, that is curious. You know, will it be the same thing in terms of did did a uh, you know did Vincent go through the same thing? I mean, I mean you never know, and it, it could have been impossible. Maybe, maybe the idea was there because Richard Price wrote the screenplay for this, so maybe the idea was on the table, and maybe the money wasn't there. But you never know.
2: Yeah. All right. What do you got next?
1: Next, for since we're since we're moving ahead in in years, uh, for uh, 1986, I'm going to pick uh, Manhunter. This is the uh, n- another Michael Mann uh, film, but this one is ba- is uh, based off the Thomas Harris books, which is the Hannibal Lecter series. Yep. So uh, this is this version was not the best version. It was cut down. Um, Brian Cox plays Hannibal Lecter. Uh, William Peterson Plays Will Graham And uh, Dennis Farina Plays uh, l- Plays Lieutenant uh, Oh Tommy Noonan Plays uh, Francis D'Aulter High So um, I fell in love With the movie And I actually Read the book The The um, I hate to admit it, but Brett Ratner's Red Dragon really follows the book more closely, you know. So it kind of makes me wonder when Man did this version of it was, you know, were there cuts? You know, I mean, I mean, who knows? But uh, this this is a it's it's a good film to catch, you know. Little towards the end of the movie, a great little Iron Butterfly uh, uh, music song in there, but really good performances. Oh yeah, Joan Allen in this in this as well. Yeah. So this is a good film.
2: Yeah, that was. Definitely on my list, one of my favorites. Um, as far as the Brett Ratner film goes, I, ugh, I don't like him as a director at all. I, I mean, I think of the scene where, I, I, well, first of all, let's talk casting. Ray Fines as Francis Dollarhide francis in the book francis in in manhunter was an ugly guy the reason he got close to the to the Joan Allen character was because she was blind and um d- d- you know took him uh, really got close to him as a person and yet ray fines even when they do the little cosmetic hair lip uh that they did on him ray fines is still ray fines you know uh A nice looking guy and I I just think that Brett Redner did these little mistakes along the way that just killed it for me and what killed it for me especially was a scene where um, Philip Seymour Hoffman in Red Dragon was uh, super glued to that wheelchair and Francis Dollarhide sets him on fire in the book that's one of the tense scary parts of the movie uh, uh, of the book, of the story when I saw it in the movie theaters the audience laughed
1: Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 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 better than Manhunter. It, it's it's much drilled like a Manhunter. Yeah,
2: but and I I think what Manhunter did well did well was their treatment of the Hannibal Lecter character because Red Dragon came out first and Thomas Harris has gone on record as stating that Hannibal Lecter was not supposed to be Hannibal Lecter. He was just a side character that he ultimately fell in love with and that's how The Silence of the Lambs came about. So the fact that we don't have... A whole story of Hannibal Lecter kind of shoehorned in that wasn't really there in the book does a lot for uh, for me for that movie because even though I love the Hannibal Lecter character for Red Dragon he really wasn't that big of a part.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, I think it's it, it's it's Gracie Hopkins in it, but yeah, it, you know, you no know, Brian Cox was was not a bad elector, uh, you know, Lecter, you know, not not bad at all.
2: And a little bit of trivia there: um, Brian Cox and Anthony Hopkins had the same um, agent. And at the time that Brian Cox got the role in Manhunter, um, Anthony Hopkins was on stage doing King Lear. Flat, fat, you know, fast forward to The Silence of the Lambs, and they essentially switched. Um, Anthony Hopkins became Hannibal Lecter, and then Brian Cox was on stage doing uh, King Lear. So that's the research I did I found that out huh
1: yeah great stuff great stuff alright
2: um, my next one another John Carpenter film starring Kurt Russell Big Trouble in Little China
1: yep on my list no there's not, not even a comment not, not even uh argument here how can you not love you know good old Jack Burton in the Pork Chop Express
2: yep Yeah, again, it's it's, if there is one John Carpenter movie that I would like to see remade with his cooperation, with his involvement, uh, that is one I think that I would like to see remade because I think the special effects uh, do age the movie a lot more than it should.
1: I thought there was word the Rock was going to do that.
2: I've heard rumors about that, but nothing, uh, nothing set in stone. Um, and again with John Carpenter, I, I I don't think this was an original piece of his, so I don't know how involved he's ultimately going to be apart from maybe a token executive producer role. But if Carpenter is involved from start to finish, um, you know, we could see something truly special with modern special effects added to it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely. With the storms. Yeah. And mm Lopan. Mm-hmm.
2: All right, what you got next?
1: Next uh, for me, uh, probably another, another good film. Well, all this, I think all the films talk about are good. Um, I'm going to bring up uh, Oliver Stone's Platoon. hmm Yeah, this uh, I remember seeing this uh, on uh, Showtime. Really dark. My dad wanted me to watch it, and uh, you know, really incredible, incredible score. But um, based on Oliver Stone's uh, true true story in being a being in a platoon in Vietnam. And just uh, really like it's, it's one of, you know, a few war movies I saw that just kind of, you know, woke me up and uh, t- just uh, fascinating, you know, just this, this tale, you know, you, you have this classic tale of good versus evil of the two sergeants fighting for, uh, you know, for for the tale of soul. And and you know it, it it's done and it's done in a way where you have the two obvious sides. You're either on, you're either with Barnes or you're with Elias. So you got Tom Berger and William Defoe, and you know, uh, see Kevin Dillon is in, that, is in this movie. Keith David oh, it's, uh, is in this as well. You know, Charlie Sheen, uh, Tony Todd. I mean, incredible film. It, it, it's uh, it's great. One of my favorite actors is a guy named Dale Dreyer. He's a military consultant. He uh, so he was the guy that actually trained those uh, actors how to uh, to, to act because because Dale actually was in uh, you know in, in in that war. So, but Dale's also known as, as consultant. He also helped out uh, Spielberg and Saving Private Ryan. So every time I see uh, him in a movie, it's great. It's a, it's a great performance So Great film. Platoon is is a, a classic war film and definitely a classic, you know, uh, pinnacle of Oliver Stone movie.
2: What disappoints me though is you see that you see the performance of charlie sheen you watch charlie sheen's performance in wall street and you just wonder where the hell did that actor go
1: personality man you know it it's that demon you live in you know you live in a society of excess and i totally agree with you i think you know this besides those movies um the so, like, what's the other Charlie Sheen movie? The 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 Getaway, the, the one the one where he's oh, oh, oh Navy Seal one he did. I mean Charlie had. I mean that's that film is, is cheesy, but it's not a bad film, you know. But I mean we'll never see Charlie Sheen get to a level like this, like like for me, like Wall Street. You know, I
2: mean, that's on my my list as well too. But you know, you know. Yeah, it's just disappointing to watch because he had so much potential to be one of Hollywood's next big actors, and then yeah, just thanks to drugs, thanks to whatever, just totally flushed it down the toilet. I mean, that's with people like that, and when Robert Downey Jr. was going through his troubles with Lindsay Lohan, you see talented people throwing away. The, the the their talent and just to you know get some drugs to do whatever that makes me upset more than anything now it's great to see somebody like robert downey jr make the comeback that he did um you know that you know because he's uh, robert downey jr one of the best actors uh, around today but um yeah just I, I see platoon i see wall street i just get disappointed more than anything
1: uh, yeah. All right, man. What's next up? All right,
2: I'm going to 1987, a movie called Eddie Murphy Raw.
1: Yep, that's on my list too.
2: Yeah, just uh, the opening scene where you have Eddie as a kid played by—I uh, forgot the guy's name, but uh, he played Bud on The Cosby Show, um, g- going off with the doo-doo joke. And uh, Samuel L. Jackson, and one of the first films I ever saw him in, laughing his ass off, um, the best part for me was when Eddie was talking about, um, as he called it, finding a bush bitch um, named Umfufu and marrying her so he wouldn't have to deal with uh, the, s- s- some of the women that he dealt with in Hollywood. And then, Eddie, Eddie Why don't you love me no more, Eddie?
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah You know, this it still stands It still stands
2: it does. I mean, it, I when 2010, when Conan O'Brien went on tour after he left The Tonight Show, I actually uh, uh, saw it in uh, Sacramento, and Conan wore the um, his version of the uh, purple leather suit that Eddie wore, but I, I really wish Eddie Murphy would make at least one more concert film, because he... Uh, he's, a, he's a genius. To me, he's up there with uh, Richard Pryor, with Sam Kennison, with Bill Cosby as one of the greatest comedians of all time, and he left to stand-up comedy way too soon.
1: Yeah, yes he did. Yes he did, but I guess... Who know, I mean, it's, it's a feeling. I'm, um, I'm hopefully going to catch Chris Rock uh, here in Brooklyn in the summer. But you know, he's he's taping it for his Netflix special. I mean, this, that's work, man. You have to if you're going to tell uh, jokes, you got to be out there telling jokes. And if it's been a moment since Eddie's been out there telling jokes, maybe he doesn't feel comfortable telling jokes because you know It's been a minute since we hear you know Eddie's been wooed and may you know Eddie may not like that.
2: Yeah, and you know, with stand-up comedy, like with any stand-up special, the stand-up uh, comics, you know, have to do months of touring to get the jokes just right before they get to that special. And you know, the, the, as you mentioned, with the fact that he has not been doing jokes for 30 years now, um, in terms of stand-up comedy, I, it will take a while for him to get back his rhythm. And also, it's one of those deals that do we want to see it? Maybe it's better that that he went out on top. On, as far as a stand-up um, in, instead of, you know, coming back for a lukewarm special, but um, I don't know. I, I, I would love to see him do another stand-up special, stand-up movie, but um, if he doesn't make one, what a way to go out, you know?
1: True. True that.
2: Alright, what you got next? Next,
1: uh, for since we're doing a are doing in 1987, I'm going to go with... Uh, here it That's that's got my list from me. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, Cry Freedom. Now, this so, so Cry Freedom is based on a true story about Donald Woods. I get I, for me, you know, as we get deeper into the years, man, I'm, I'm starting to love these really real based on true story films, so that's kind of that's kind of I guess, where I was going with the, with my list. But uh, Cry Freedom is based on a true story of Donald Woods' relationship with a uh, guy named Stephen Biko. Um, in the movie, he's played by Kevin Kline, and Denzel Washington plays Stephen Biko. Uh, I think this was Washington's uh, first nomination as Best Supporting Actor for his role. And it tells a story about how Woods meets Biko and how... Uh, And How uh, at that time he was writing a book about that Which would have got him killed And how he leaves the uh, country So uh, a really interesting movie Some folks didn't like it Because it, you know At the time, you know, with black consciousness Happening in the the United States That it really didn't take place uh, You know, from Stephen Biko's point of view And when I saw the film At that time when I was in high school I was getting learning more About South African politics with apartheid and as I got older, I actually read the book that Donald Woods written. That film was based on. That got me kicked out of uh, South Africa. So when I read the book, it's on sort the of movie again. The movie does do Biko justice, but the film is more. Even though it's more from Donald's point of view, it explains the seriousness of living in that country at that time and what they were going through. And it's incredible performances by by Klein and, and Washington. So you know, you know, my motto is, is always been that the actors are, work well together. It's it's worth catching It's a, it's a Richard Albrecht directed it. It's a it's a really cool film. Most of it was shot in Zimbabwe because you couldn't shoot in South Africa, of course. But uh, definitely uh, worth checking out. Sometimes it airs on HBO. Um, signature but you can probably definitely find it online, online if you need to it's, it's, a, it's definitely one of my films I would recommend people check out
2: Yeah, it, um, they, that's another film I saw in school I went to a private school for elementary school and that was one film that they saw and one scene that really stuck with me was um, the, Kevin Klein's character um, received a package in the mail and it was t-shirts and he gave the T-shirts to his kids, and then they put them on. But then his kids started screaming because apparently the person who sent them put, like, this chemical, this poison on the T-shirts that uh, that forced him to send his kids to the hospital. Um, so, th- th- you know, that really stuck with me. And I think there is something to say, too, about a movie that uh, that. Ha- has a character in this case a real life character that really opens his eyes that broadens his world to seeing something from another point of view because you know he could have easily just you know ignored Stephen Biko lived his life and did whatever but he you know opened his eyes to what you know th- th- what you know the 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 the, 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 uh, the black community in South Africa was going through and oh, look what happened to him after that so I, I think there is definitely something to say about those type of films.
1: Yeah, definitely. That's it's a it's a good one, and that, and this it's starting to happen also too that we're you know during this year we're seeing a lot more of uh, film by by directors of color coming out as well. I have a couple on my list too that hopefully we'll get to. Yep.
2: All right. So my next one, a classic from Richard Donner from
1: 1987, Lethal Weapon. Yep,
2: on my list too. Did you you see that
1: in theaters,
2: Tim? I did not. These, (laughs) when it comes to the 80s, I really did not go to the movie theater much in the 80s. I mean, that's what happens when you grow up poor in Michigan, I guess. But um, most of all of these movies um, I I saw on TV. Now, some of them with uh, re-releases or special editions I caught in the theaters later. But, um, you know, Lethal Weapon, just a family member had it on VHS, popped it in, watched it, loved it.
1: Yeah, love the little Christmas, uh, uh, you know, motif of it, you know. Yeah, and uh, that's uh, it, you know, it's, it, makes, it makes it kind of it's, it's fun. It's, it's, a, it's a real fun movie. It moves nice, you know. You get Mel Gibson before the Mel Gibson we know now, and Danny Glover that really that odd, uh, you know, uh, you know, you know, kind of odd couple type, um, you know, you know, dealing with uh, some some drug dealers. But it's a it's a, it's a good action movie.
2: It, it- definitely is. And, um, you know, Shane Black, who wrote that, um, what a talent there. I mean, he ended up doing the writing and directing the movie Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Um, I think he's on board for another Predator movie, if I'm not mistaken. But um, he, Lethal Weapon, in a lot of ways, did kind of help open the door to action movies as we see them today. It was less gritty. It was more of the personality. It was more character driven.
1: Yeah, definitely, definitely, definitely was. Uh, it, you know, it. It also what's good about the film as as Murtar and Rick get to know each other, they start building that bond. It's like, all right, you know, this week we got something going. We got something going here, and it's it's uh, you know, it, it, you believe it because you're rooting for Riggs and Murtagh you know towards the end of the movie. Yep.
2: And that's one uh, and that's one show. I'm glad that uh, the one movie that I'm glad they they turned into a TV show, Um, uh, the the lethal weapon, the new lethal weapon show on Fox, uh, because I do think that there is a lot more that could have been explored uh, with Gibson and uh, Glover. That you know, just because it was initially a movie that they that they didn't explore. So I'm glad they're uh, um, kind of going back to those characters. And it's unfortunate that Mel Gibson made the choices in his life that he did too, because again, one hell of an actor, but his personal personal demons, his personal uh, his personal bigotry, his personal whatever, just. We'll probably never see him in a movie uh, in, a, in a successful movie again He was in uh, Machete Kills um, But uh, Yeah, just a, a waste
1: <laughs> Yeah, but I think he has been a success behind the camera Like uh, that Heartbreak Ridge that came out Did very well So, you it, know, I thought, um, I, mean, you know did, like, I
2: thought Clint Eastwood no, did that
1: No, oh no No, no, Heartbreak, no. the one, that's Heartbreak no, Heartbreak Ridge is Clint Eastwood, I'm sorry It came out last year with Andrew Garfield Heartbreak Point, I forgot. You know, the story of the pacifist medic?
2: Hmm. Let me hop
1: on. That's the one yeah, that's the one that that Gibson directed that did very well.
2: Let me check here. Going to IMDB. That is
1: Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw. Hacksaw Ridge. Hacksaw. Okay. My apologies. Hacksaw Ridge.
2: And with that, another episode of Friends Talking Nerdy is in the books. Thank you all for listening. Uh, Next week we'll continue on with the the discussion with Noel about um, our favorite movies from the 80s. But keep in mind this as well. Coming up within the next couple of weeks, we're going to have the first ever Friends Talking Nerdy holiday special a chance to sit down with Noel and Mora and discuss some of our uh, favorite holiday entertainment movies, and uh, we're definitely uh, excited to hear what y'all think about it. We had some fun uh, recording that podcast, uh, the first one in a while that I had mul- multiple people on. Um, anyway, um, as always, we would like to thank Christopher Lazarick for his contribution for the amazing theme song he created for the show. Head to his website, ChristopherLazarek.com, for information on how to purchase his EP, Here's to you, which is available on all digital platforms. Um, we even had a chance to chat a little bit about that EP, and he said that uh, they he ends up making a lot more money by people who buy it compared to people who stream it. It is available on streaming services like Apple Music, Google Play Music, stuff like that, um, but definitely help the guy out. doesn't cost that much. Go to your favorite online digital music uh, store and purchase his EP. And we'd also like to thank Rogue's Portal for allowing me uh, the chance to uh, contribute um, I uh, should have announced it last week, and I was a fool for not saying it. But um, it's not necessarily going to be an every week deal, but uh, they're allowing me to contribute some work. My first article for them, um, was about my f- uh, five favorite episodes from this season of The Orville, one of the best new shows on television, if I do say so myself. Um, quick little synopsis here for you. It's it's from Seth MacFarlane. It's basically his version of Star Trek. Um. But the beauty of the show comes with uh, how he is able to take some of the tropes that we're familiar with from Star Trek, whether it's characters or situations or plot lines, and kind of give a little twist to them. Um, He also throws a little more of the humanity that uh, didn't necessarily show up um, when it came to relationships among the characters. Um, You know, I I would say like Lieutenant uh, Lamar and uh, Lieutenant Malloy, I, I love their relationship because their friends but then they also have little practical jokes that they have throughout the show too like uh uh when malloy was teaching uh the uh from Kalon, the Kalon uh representative in artificial life form by the name of isaac who's an officer on the ship uh, about practical jokes um yeah that that was definitely an interesting episode it it uh kind of plays off of the humanity building that uh star trek the next generation tried to do with data but it also allows for the fact that Isaac has no intention of wanting to be human like Data did, and just completely misunderstanding something like a practical joke. But still, a good show. Um, I have not seen Star Trek: Discovery as of yet, so I will not be one of those people that will comment, you know, about how bad it is. I, I've, you know, if I haven't seen it, how can I comment on it? Uh, and when I do see it, I'll definitely. Give my comments on whether I liked it or not at that point, but I will say the Orville um, for a Star Trek type of show is nailing the important points. At the end of the day, for s- that type of science fiction, I want a little positivity. You know, leave the dystopian stuff for the news or for 70s uh, sci-fi films like Logan's Run or whatever. There's a place for that. But for me, if we're talking about the future, I want to see a future to where things actually turn out good, and I think the Orville's doing a good job for that. It's not a perfect show. Uh, It does rely too much on uh, 20th century jokes and references uh, for my taste, but still definitely something I would strongly recommend. So with that, we will see you next week where we're going to continue the uh, talk about 80s movies, and then uh, the week after that, we're going to be starting the Friends Talking Nerdy Holiday Special. So once again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more. What you got in there
0: in here? i
1: London. I saw
0: Long walking with the queen. <laughs> Doing the way <werewolves laughs> of London. I saw Long you walking with the queen. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait.
2: Man,
1: not bad. When you leave town now, right? You don't want to play me again. Hey, what's that? Don't kill me, right? All right